right. Hello and welcome back to the Living Now podcast. As always, brought to you by your friends at The Gathering Bee. My name is Lydia and I am joined with my awesome co-host, Sophia. And it has been a hot minute since we have been able to post, but we are back and we are talking about such an awesome topic today that I'm really excited to dive into. And um, thank you for everybody who has been listening. If you have any topics that you would like us to talk about or even to kind of explore, just go ahead, leave us a review and a suggestion, and we would love to do that. Um, But today we are going to be talking about the nuclear family. And no, not nuclear in terms of chemistry, but (laughs) with like a nuclear bomb, but nuclear family in terms of a family in which the units are the mother, father, and the children. And so, yeah, just to get us started, though, I do want to make a couple um, precursor statements that as we talk about family and the importance of family today, we are never advocating for somebody to stay in an abusive relationship. And we understand that some situations fall outside of all general blanket statements. So just know that we aren't referring or discouraging adoption. Um, We are not advocating for staying in an abusive relationship. Um, Just things like that. But... Yeah, I'm really excited to talk about today's topic. Um, I think that this is not a very popular conversation right now, just because it's still a conversation that's on the rise, but I think it is a really important one to have. And um, we are going to be looking about at how the dictionary describes the nuclear family, how the Bible describes the family, and what the roles of the family should be. Then we're also going to look at how culture is trying to make us think about family as times are changing and things like that. So to get us started, Soph has a couple of definitions for us. Okay, so Collins Dictionary has a good definition of nuclear family. So it's a noun. It is a family unit that consists of a father, mother, and children. Um, Like Lydia said, it's just the basic unit of family. So the core necessary members, the birth giver, and the children. Like she said, especially with adoption, we don't want people to think we're saying, don't adopt your kid, don't adopt someone because it's not your biological child, that wouldn't be a nuclear family. Because I think with this definition, it can still be a nuclear family and be a healthy one too. We're more focused today on like the aspects of marriage and like what that does to children, whether they're biological or adopted. So with that in mind, um, we can look at the or origin of the word nuclear family. The Gospel Coalition gives a good backstory behind this word. They said that this term originated in the 1920s by Bronislaw Malinowski, a founder of social anthropology. The word nuclear was associated with the Latin word nucleus, which means kernel, then later with atomic energy. Thus, the word nuclear in the family context comes to mean the core members of a family unit, which is father, mother, and child. Yeah, so with those definitions, I think we are seeing exactly what the nuclear family is. It's the father, mother, and the child. And so as women who are not married yet and still have a little bit to go before we are married, it's hard for us to really speak on marriage, but we can speak on the importance of a nuclear family from a child's perspective. 
And so I think the first place that we should always turn whenever we are talking about the family would be the Bible because the Bible ordains the family in a way. In Christianity, we have three sectors. We have family, church, and state. And the family is to serve the church and the church, the family, and both to serve the state and both the state to serve the family and the church. Um, and so family being one third of this very important act or um, very important pillar of Christian life, Christian society, um, there is definitely going to be a framework in which the family should function in. And so we are going to first turn to the Bible to see what it says about. So our verse is going to be from Ephesians 5 starting at verse 22. And this reads, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he may sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water and with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one has ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church because we are all members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. And then to talk about children, we move to Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6.1 reads, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. So that is kind of the area that I want to work out of first because I think it is just packed Full of information on how the family should be ran, how the family should be led, and what roles each person should be playing in the family. Um, so, what are your initial thoughts after hearing that? Hmm. <laughs> um, I think it's a good corrective for the situations where nuclear family is at risk because of... Um, just the way the family has been functioning. Either it's like a kid behaving a certain way or it's one of the uh, spouses behaving a certain way. And I think those are the main behaviors that should prevent that, can be preventative of the nuclear family kind of breaking up. But I was reading some articles on like what the Bible has to say about nuclear family and some of them were saying that um, Jesus was not distinctly for nuclear family because he and some other people mention like 
some how some people are not meant to get married and I feel like that is true but it doesn't mean nuclear family is bad mm-hmm. do you know what I mean like I think both things can be true at the same time not everyone is meant to get married but for the people who do get married this is how your family should be ran also they mentioned um in the last part that you read of how when we grow older we kind of split from our parents and we have we marry someone and you know that's our we are no longer children anymore Mm -hmm. and then you become one flesh with your spouse and that like most clearly reflects god Mm -hmm. um and I think that's really important, and I think a lot of people who say nuclear family is not something stressed in the Bible um, should look to that more deeply, because it is, in a way, saying that the nuclear family is what best reflects God, mm-hmm. because in like a pure marriage like that, where you become united in one flesh, that is most clearly reflecting God, mm-hmm. and like while some people are meant to be celibates or you know some people are widowed or something like that Mm -hmm. nuclear family is like very important because of that and i think that whole passage together is important to look at and i'm happy that you chose to start it that way and because it just has all the elements Mm -hmm. and i think i mean i can sit here and say it's important as the day is long but the fact is is that the Bible literally compares the union between husband and wife to that of Christ and the church. If it's saying that this relationship is in a way synonymous, then of course that means it like is very impactful. And I think it's something that we should take very seriously. If we, the church, are Christ's bride, then we should be trying to apply the truth of that to every aspect. And so whenever we're talking about family and we see that husband and wife have the same relationship that Christ and his church do, I think that means that there's a pretty high importance level to it, and there's a pretty high emphasis on it. And so, we'll talk about husband and wives for a moment, and then we'll move on to the role of children. But, um, I think, at least in today's culture, we don't want to step on anybody's toes and we would rather put niceness over true love and kindness. And so we kind of let people think whatever they want to think about marriage and relationships. But as Christians, if we are professing Christians, we know that what we say and what we feel is not the final say and not the final authority. And we have to turn back to the authoritative word of God, which says that marriage is for a man and a woman. Um, And with so many people now at least trying to push and support gay marriage what is your opinion on how homosexual relationships could affect the nuclear family um so one thing i would say is this could easily get into a rabbit trail but if you're starting a marriage as a gay relationship then the child that you're going to have is either going to be adopted or they're going to be through some kind of reproductive process that is not sex. So it'll be like IVF 
or um, artificial surrogacy. Yeah, surrogacy or artificial insemination. And I, there's a lot of issues with all of those mm-hmm. because, um, em- basically, embryos can get easily destroyed or thrown in a freezer, neglected, and that is not very caring to the sanctity of human life. Mm-hmm. So, that's one thing, but. In cases of adoption, I think it's already a lot for a child to be adopted. I mean, even in the best cases, adopted children, they just have a hard time sometimes because it's not an easy situation to go through some years of your life and, like, know that you don't have a family. Mm-hmm. And so that's just one thing I want to start with. But I think with any gay relationship, you have to kind of think about what the different, like, womanhood and manhood in the bible what that looks like like the different retreat the different traits like biblical womanhood in the bible um rebecca she shows hospitality nurture mary shows bravery and servitude ruth shows loyalty and in proverbs 31 it says that women are industrious and prudent is a woman trait in Proverbs 19 and also manhood um, in the Bible is described as having humility control of desires protection of family um, and being a leader Joshua Jesus Caleb and Paul and Daniel all show these traits and when you take one of those rules out of the equation not only are you depriving the children of just like an influence that's necessary for life skills and different personality traits Mm -hmm. but also character is very important like I don't think this is talked about enough if you're not around um, a certain gender of course you're not gonna be as skilled you know dealing with the the other gender in real life Mm -hmm. but also like your character won't be as developed as it could have been Mm -hmm. the frontal lobe it'll be underdeveloped because that's where your character is like that's where your character develops and if I only have the male aspects um, because if we're going to hold to a Christian view I think we have to understand like males and females there are made a little different you Mm -hmm. know and it's not just a biology thing like their parts Mm -hmm. like they're they have different personalities and different like different temperaments yeah different temperaments and so males do have some different traits and basically if you're missing like you know a woman figure in your life you may not as be you may not be as nurturing or uh empathetic not to say that there can't be those kinds of men Mm -hmm. but i'm saying it's more of a woman trait to emphasize those Mm -hmm. and it's more of a manly trait to be a leader and a protector and you know it's just when you're missing one of those genders you're missing half of the equation yeah and I think there's a theological component to that as well because kind of like you're saying as soon as you take one of those roles out the equation is no longer balanced um and you're missing out on seeing a vital aspect of family but take it all the way back to what the Bible just said is that the union between a husband and a wife reflects the union between Christ and the church. If we take out one of those participants, 
we aren't really seeing a full depiction of the relationship that Christ has with the church. We have a misunderstanding and we are not seeing Christ best or clearly depicted whenever we see a homosexual relationship because we've taken something out. Also, it's, I read a short story the other day and it reminded me of how important it is to have both gender roles as an influence because because we are humans that have that God-shaped longing. If we are missing part, like if a marriage like that reflects God in some way and we're missing part of that, then we're gonna go searching for it in other ways. Mm -hmm. If I'm looking for a father figure and I have never had one, I'm gonna go looking for father figures in many other people that are gonna fail me they're not my biological father or mother mm -hmm. and you know I could be hurt in many ways and it's just like very dangerous mm -hmm. because you're gonna like there's you're always gonna go looking if you've mm -hmm. never had that kind of love right yeah and I think especially in these Christian situations we need to continuously bring it back to what the Bible says and so when we do have a good representation at least of both the male and the female there are clearly laid out ways for how they are supposed to be treating each other and so let's just take a look back at it um, in 22 verse 22 of chapter 5 it says wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord for the husband is the head of the wife even as Christ is the head of the church and I think culture has warped this view of submission so bad because when we think of submission we think of maybe being like subservient and being oppressed and under the thumb of somebody who won't let up but that is not what biblical submission is um even within the trinity we see the different persons of the trinity perfectly submit to one another and so um, let's talk a little bit about wives' submission to their husbands. What are your thoughts? Um, like you said, the Trinity, it's a perfect example of submission. And it doesn't mean one is lesser than the other. It just means that there is a respect there. Well, for um, the earthly example, it just means there, there's a respect there and you're both equally understanding that one is supposed to be the leader and the other person is supposed to help the person lead. Mm -hmm. And I think submitting is just an act of love. And submitting, like you said, is not necessarily like being at someone's beck and call or like doing things you don't want to do or being oppressed, like you said. I feel like our culture loves to just make people victim victimize themselves and mm -hmm. you know it all it encourages people to feel victimized sometimes mm -hmm. and yeah I think we see clearly at least in the biblical depiction that wives are definitely not victims in the relationship because the husband's role to a wife is above and beyond um, Bible says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he may sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water and with the word, 
so that he may present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she may be holy and without blemish and so husbands are supposed to love their wives like christ loves the church and that is to me an overwhelming kind of love and i think that a really important aspect of our conversation with what the topic is right now like the way you're supposed to treat your spouse has a lot to do with the fallout of not doing that like i think divorce is caused very frequently by people feeling like they are not receiving something they're owed and I think it kind of comes back to we all like men I feel like they typically assume like that in a family they are going to be the leader and I think that's natural because they're made to be the leader and I think when um, the wives of a relationship don't want to hold to that in like a perfect situation where mm-hmm. like leadership is pure and you know when they don't want to hold to that and they want to be independent boss woman mm-hmm. you know like that's where it gets messy and they're like okay I want to divorce then mm. you know if if I can't have things my way mm-hmm. or if I don't get to be the leader mm-hmm. it's it all just falls apart if one if both sides especially feel like what their purpose is in a marriage is not being fulfilled or even just their desires if they're going into it for money or just desires of sex or something like and you're not getting what you want out of it Mm -hmm. a lot of people just turn to divorce Mm -hmm. and it's like an easy way out nowadays right and I can't speak for a man but I can speak as a woman who knows that like when looking for a partner I like what you said about how the man is to lead and the woman is to help him lead And I think by helping him lead means wanting to be led. Yeah. Like dying to self, dying to your expectations and what you desire from them, submitting your will to your husband, but then also to God, and wanting to be in a place of being led. And when we can allow ourselves to drop our, I don't want to say our wants, but I guess to drop our own agendas and to open ourselves up to being led, we become definitely more godly women. What do you think? Yeah, I did. I definitely think that, well, pride being like basically the overarching sin of all other sins, Mm -hmm. if you really narrow it down, the converse of that would be humility. Mm-hmm. And, like, just letting yourself not be in control of everything and just saying, you know what? It's not, it doesn't matter if I don't want it to be this way because God ordained it to be this way. Mm-hmm. Then it's it's really just a matter of humility mm-hmm. to say I'm not in control and know how you are supposed to act and behave according to God's word. Mm-hmm. And I think if we're following the biblical picture of marriage as a woman it isn't scary to say yes I want you to lead me because we see how God instructs the husband to love the wife 
says, however, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. If a husband is loving a wife as himself, he's going to lead her in a good direction. And so the wife can say, yes, I want you to lead me. And the husband can say, yes, I want to lead you in a good direction. And we're going to see once again, just like how the Bible says this perfect um, sort of our earthly relationship isn't perfect, but the perfect relationship we see is between Christ and the church, where the church says, I want to be led. And Christ says, yes, let me lead you in the right direction. Same thing. Wife submitting to her husband, showing respect and saying, please lead in this family. And the husband saying, yes, I will lead in the right direction. And I think it's important to remember, like, leadership is not, it's not just leadership that the men are told to be. It's also, I'm just going to read 1 Timothy 5, 8. It says, but if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. It's not just leadership. It's being a protector mm-hmm. and being a provider. So Service, yeah. Women, like you're saying, women, in you know, a, an ideal situation, women don't have it terribly, you know? It's like a, not only is it a biblical thing to allow your husband to be the leader it's it should feel comforting to have your husband be a leader because like that verse just said he's not just a leader he's a provider and he is a protector Mm -hmm. and i i think this um overall principle applies to any christian no matter what role you're playing in the family but you have to serve to lead And the husband should be serving and the wife coming alongside and saying, hey, how can I help you? Mm. And leading the children together. Yeah. Um, I think as a good transition into why the world has kind of distorted this Mm -hmm. and what it looks like is this statistic from a 2020 Pew Research study. It says 23% of children in America live with one parent, almost a quarter of U.S. children. Hmm. So that's one-fourth of the the kids in America, they don't have a parent. Mm-hmm. They just, you know, they live with one parent. So like we were saying earlier of not having a male or female influence in the home, mm-hmm. that's a quarter of American children. Right. So why do you think that the postmodern view of living and what life really is has affected marriage so heavily? Hmm. Um, well, in postmodernism, we know that it rejects meta-narratives. So these are narratives or ways of explaining what is ultimately true. As a Christian, I'm going to point to the Bible and I'm going to say, hey, you look how the Bible says this is how a marriage should be ran. That's a meta-narrative. Postmodernism says we don't need that. We don't really even know what is true. If true really exists, there's no way that we can know it. And so, in a way, you just kind of get a free pass to do whatever you want. You don't have to submit your will to anyone or anything but yourself. Um, Especially not your husband. Especially not your husband. And in a way, you are almost justified. You're definitely justified, but you're almost encouraged to just follow whatever desire comes up from your heart. As Christians, we know that the desires of our hearts are most definitely sinful. 
but once again postmodernism rejects even that sort of thinking um and so if you feel like it's the right decision for you then go do it go get that divorce but as christians we know that you do not just do things out of the consideration of yourself but you consider your family and your church and the state so if i wanted to get a divorce as a christian i would have to say okay well maybe maybe this is a good thing for me but how does it affect my children how does it affect my relationship with the church and how does this affect what i'm providing with the state so um in doing some looking into this for as preparation um <clears throat> i was watching some videos and of people who went through situations where their parents you know either split or were fighting and how it affected them as children and I only heard some of the men's perspective but one person said that how uncommon it is to be talked about how when a person gets remarried or is dating someone like they will frequently like sexually assault the child of mm -hmm. the person they're moving like the house they're moving into mm -hmm. like the kids will get abused and sexually assaulted it's f and it's frequent mm -hmm. so I pulled up some statistics because I that really interested me I I you know I never really thought about that mm -hmm. because I don't know it just hadn't really crossed my mind how often that might happen mm -hmm. so some research from the US Department of Health and Human Services shows some broken nuclear family statistics so it says the rate of abuse is three and a half times higher when a child lives with a single parent. Hmm. So that is, like we just said, 23% of children in America, their probability is 3.5 times higher to get abused. Hmm. Again, the rate of abuse is four times higher if the child is living with biological parents who are not married but living together. The rate of abuse is six times higher in a blended family in which the child is living in a remarried couple's household. And this is the really big one. The rate of abuse is ten times higher if the child is living with a parent who's living with another adult. And I think that is so saddening because if you think about the world right now, you can probably list a few people who just sleep for fun sleep mm -hmm. with people for fun but the t the statistic just said the rate of abuse is 10 times higher for parents who come home with just random men or women mm -hmm. those children they have 10 times more probability to get abused mm -hmm. and at that point it's just not about you anymore it's about the children mm -hmm. you know like you're destroying not only are you destroying the man and women connection that God wanted and created you're also putting this child at risk of abuse mm -hmm. and it's going to be frequent mm -hmm. yeah and I think what we really have to analyze here is that when you break the nuclear family the door to abuse skyrockets like it swings right open um, jumping immediately up three per or three times higher than what it would have been 
at least talking statistically. Of course we cannot talk about, you know, every situation in which people are abused within their nuclear family. Because I don't want to say that that doesn't happen. It definitely does. But there is more value in keeping a nuclear family together where abuse wouldn't have occurred. Where then, if abuse wouldn't have occurred when you break it, the chances of it coming are way higher. Um, yeah, that is so saddening. But I think this is a good opportunity to look at now the children's role in the nuclear family. Because if we break a nuclear family, this definitely has a ripple effect. Because then the children are likely to, at least in most situations, are likely to reproduce what they have witnessed. We're products of our environment. Um, and so this ripple effect can pan out and pan out and pan out. But I think the same is true um, on the other side of the coin. If we see a family that is a good, stable family, the ripple effect of that could be more good and stable families coming out from that. So as children, when we are in a nuclear family, Ephesians 6 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. And so even the Bible now is saying that this is a long-lasting blessing that you receive when you are obedient to your parents. And so let's just talk about obedience for a minute. Um, when it says, obey your parents, what does this really look like in practice? I think it means anticipating. I think that's a huge part of it. Um, I don't think it's merely just doing the dishes when you're told to. I think it's, it kind of comes back to respect. Um, understanding that your parents are people and just appreciating everything they do for you. There's an old saying like, don't love the food, love the person who made it for you. Mm. And I think uh, obeying your father and mother is also just loving your father and mother. And so, back to what I said, I think it's just anticipating their needs and just being a good child for them. Mm -hmm. And like, like we said, we're not talking about abusive situations here. We're talking about nuclear families where everything's kind of going the way it's supposed to, what the child would look like. Mm -hmm. Right, and then it goes on to say, fathers do not provoke your children to anger but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. So, of course, that's not the escape clause. If Even if your father is provoking you to anger, you are still commanded to be obedient. But if you are in the situation where your father is not provoking you to anger, you must be obedient. <laughs> um, no matter whether it is easy or hard, our call is to be obedient. And I don't think that there's any better time to start practicing the biblical roles for man and woman than when you are a child growing up in the family. If I'm a woman, I am going to be also submitting to the leadership of my father and submitting to both of my parents, but practicing the submission I see from my mother, practicing that sort of compassion and that grace and what were the other roles that, um, or other characteristics of the biblical women that you had said. 
Um, they're industrious, mm-hmm. but they work with what they have. Mm-hmm. Um, they're nurturing. They are hospitable. They have bravery, loyalty, um, and they're prudent. Mm-hmm. Taking those attributes from my mother, but also learning how to respect my father and respect the men that are in the family. And if I'm a man, I'm learning how to lead and I'm also learning how to love those that are in the family. Um, because this is like, because uh, we are sisters, the hosts you're listening to were sisters, I think it's fair for me to mention like how in my, just being a child and growing up, um, we've had some issues, but my mom has, I think she's the most faithful woman I've ever seen. And I think respecting your husband as a leader, she shows like the prime example of that. Mm-hmm. Like, she, no matter what has ever happened, she, like, she's such a staunch, staunchly faithful Christian. Mm-hmm. And everything that happens, she knows it's God's will, and she just runs to that each time. And I've, I've never seen someone more patient and more faithful, more trusting that God will make a leader out of, you know, a husband mm-hmm. than my mother. Right. And I love that she does everything in her power to instill those biblical roles. Um, our mom is the breadwinner of the family. She has a great job. But even though she's the breadwinner, if one of us says, hey, could we get this? And maybe it's a bigger ticket item. She would not buy a grill, even though it most likely is her money. She would not even buy a grill without asking my dad first. So even when it's easy for her to take a leadership position or take the leadership role in the family, she still submits her will to that of the leader of the family, which is our dad. But also, in addition, like, our father, he does the same thing. Mm-hmm. Like, even though he is the leader of the family, he'll always say, ask your mother. Mm-hmm. You know, there is a mutual kind of understanding there that they like to keep in communication and also understanding where each one stands and their place but just making sure that they both have a say in decisions that are important or not important Mm -hmm. because they're both leaders in the family and I think that goes back to how children should be treating their parents right so I think now is a great time for us to look at culture and how culture is trying to get people to look at the nuclear family um, the immediate thing that pops into my mind is, so the new show, High School Musical, the musical, <laughs> the series, uh, just came out with season three a few, I think it was a few months ago, and, um, basically, uh, like, the whole, the whole show we've known about one of the main characters, parents, basically she calls them her moms. She has two moms, and she has a biological father that we don't meet till season three. But it's really normalized in the show. Mm-hmm. I mean, there is a lot of gay couples, which, okay, that's a separate conversation in general. Mm-hmm. But um, because it has to do with family, we're talking about it now. It's It's really romanticizing having, like, a same-sex marriage and 
the biological father also being in the picture. And it's just really interesting. There's I think there's four four gay couples in the show. Hmm. And then the main character's uh, parents, they're two women. And they're talked about a lot. And I just think these are probably young, pretty young people who are watching are watching this and um the reason that I think it's so dangerous and kind of a slippery slope is because you see your parents and you don't really need anyone to explain to you that you know a man and a woman make a child but when you see two women it's out of the ordinary or two men and a child is questioning huh how does that happen how Mm -hmm. am I here Mm-hmm. You know, if they're not adopted or, you know, basically then you have to have the whole sex talk with a child and it just like, before they kind of reach the age of maturity or before they have like really a need to know about it. Mm-hmm. And I think that can be dangerous in several ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so the fact that a t- little Disney show is not only promoting like gay couples but a gay marriage and it's like talked about a lot in the show I think that's really dangerous yeah and I think Disney is one of just the biggest perpetrators in general of trying to dismantle the nuclear family whether that is portraying gay marriages and trying to make it seem normalized and trying to take all of the implications of how destructive that can be to children like trying to take that out of the equation they also just do a very poor job at representing what the roles should be in a family i mean think of any disney show that you've ever watched where the children were actually respectful and obedient to their parents and also where the parents weren't provoking their children to anger what disney show can you think of where the dad was a good biblical leader and where the mom was actually submissive to her husband. Like, in pop culture and in media, we just don't see portrayals of a strong and biblical nuclear family. And so it makes you ask the question, well, how does culture want me to think about family? Because I definitely do not think that it is how the Bible depicts it. And, um, yeah, you almost never see it anymore, at least on television. Um, yeah. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, because you asked, the only example that comes to mind is the princess and the frog. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, Tiana's mom and dad. Mm. That is, like, I think that's the only example I can think of of things I've seen. But now it's definitely just becoming more normalized to have a stupid dad, mm-hmm. um, a mom who's kind of a jerk to their kids. And then the kids that want to, you know, be bad. Mm-hmm. Or maybe Girl Meets World. They're an okay couple. But, you know, I yeah. feel like the point is the examples are few. Sure, yeah. And, like, I really think about it, and the only one that I can come up with that's, like, very concrete is, like, Little House on the Prairie. Well, that's not Disney. <laughs> well, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> But I think that it is a shame that you have to go back so far to something that seems, like, so... 
I don't know. Fundamental. Yeah, right. Something that seems so fundamental in order to actually get it. Like, hey, you know what? I think they're doing things kind of right. But then a whole other aspect of this conversation is how, and this one's definitely more political, but how now in public school systems, there's people who call themselves like health coaches or health mentors who will talk with children about things that are way above their level at which they need to be speaking about and will have these conversations with children and completely leave the parents in the dark. So an example of this would be um, people talking to children about, you know, maybe the maybe the possibility that they think they're trapped in the wrong body and like need to start transitioning and they won't tell parents about this and they're not allowed to tell parents about this um and how that is just chipping away at the nuclear family what are your thoughts yeah i was gonna kind of branch into that as well like not only is it being shown on tv and like you know how technology has affected like the world right now but yeah not only is it on tv it's also being encouraged by adults that are leaders on young impressionable children who are just trying to grow and like basically everything that happens in their life it's a learning experience Mm -hmm. so if some adult that you trust is sitting you down and saying hey do you ever feel uncomfortable being a girl you know you could be a guy if you want to you should be a guy if you want to you know and kind of like almost gaslighting someone into thinking that they want to be something else Mm -hmm. when you know realistically give them a few years you know they'll Mm -hmm. be fine and also that is no one's place to have that conversation with a child except between a child and their parent like that is for people to work out within the family like we can totally disagree on whether or not that is something you should or shouldn't do but nonetheless those issues need to be worked out within the family and not with anyone or a teacher at school um maybe a psychiatrist but you know like your fourth grade teacher should not be having that kind of conversation with a child that is the parent's role to step in i yeah like you said i i think it's just a matter of boundaries or just the time Mm. the more time goes on boundaries are getting thin Mm -hmm. and especially with you know marriage and basically just being independent finding yourself quote unquote Mm -hmm. as that is rising influencing children to question their gender and basically everything that has to do with sex and Mm -hmm. all that stuff because the traditional marriage is being attacked Mm -hmm. gender in uh, result is being attacked Mm -hmm. and kids who are going to be the next generation people are trying to grab at them and be like okay Mm-hmm. It gotta affect them so they, you know, break the barriers. Right. And that is a really good point. Boundaries are becoming so thin. And where people would have never stepped on the toes of family are now trying to dismantle nuclear family at every stitch that they can. And so I think that as Christians, it is very, very important for us to advocate for the importance of family um I know at my church this is just like a side story at my church we started implementing 
where every other Sunday, rather than having kids' church, we're having children come and sit with their parents because we do think it's important that families sit together, like, as a unit when they are participating in worship. And we're really trying to, you know, push those, um, push the idea of the importance of family just a little bit harder as culture is trying to push against us. And, um, yeah, I just think it's a really interesting topic. I think as time goes on, we will definitely see clearer and clearer the fact that the nuclear family is under attack. But when we dismantle the nuclear family, it is the truest of slippery slopes. And it just results in a whole slew of problems. Anything else to add to the discussion? Just the fun segment. Just the fun segment. So, I think for this fun segment, we are going to talk about what we have been consuming and why. Um, so this could be book, movie, TV, music, anything. Recently, I have been consuming a lot of the Babylon Bee podcast. <laughs> Babylon Bee is a Christian satire company where they basically just make Christian satire posts, and I think it's brilliant because I think with satire you can communicate things in a way that you can't with just regular matters of fact. I think pointing out absurdity is sometimes the best way um, when it's done through humor. And so I love the Babylon Bee. I love those guys over there, and their podcast is amazing, and you should totally check it out if you haven't. But yeah, that's what I'm consuming. What about you, So? I, um, I'm just going to mention this because I'm proud of it. So I have an issue where, like, if I listen to songs, they just kind of stay in my head all day. And so I'm trying to fuel my brain with songs that are good and edifying. So I have a new Christian playlist that I've been listening to. And basically every Wednesday morning at my school, we have chapel. And I basically put, like, all the chapel songs on there. So that's one thing. Another thing I've been um, consuming is the show Survivor mm. with my little sister Maddie. <laughs> we like it. And, yeah, it's manipulative. <laughs> <laughs> but it's um, entertaining. And I think it's better than watching Disney shows mm. where everyone's gay. <laughs> yep. So... That is what we've been consuming. <laughs> um, yeah, we will be back with another episode soon. I'm not sure what our next topic is going to be, but as always, I'm sure that it will be very culturally relevant <laughs> and hard-hitting. So, once again, if you want to leave any suggestions for what topics we should discuss next, just leave a review or um, go and give us a follow on Instagram at gathering underscore B and... Yeah, send us a DM. But we hope that you have a wonderful week and that you would go and honor and glorify God in all that you do. All right, we will see you guys next time. Bye.